Welcome to Life Church Birmingham. We are glad you have listened today. We know God has a plan and purpose for your life and want to help you be successful in Jesus Christ. We know you will receive a message of hope and encouragement. Oh, thank you, Pastor Tim. It's an honor to be with you guys today. I just uh, so appreciate Pastor Tim and Pastor Jamie's passion for God, their heart for God, and their heart for revival. Uh, you know, if, if good preaching and charisma and more education and well-to-do events were going to shift America, America would have been shifted a long time ago. Uh, you know, with any news cycle that we watch within a 15-minute span, we see indicator after indicator after indicator that America is in grave need for a sovereign mm. awakening. Mm. We, we need an awakening in this hour and in this nation. And, uh, the, the, and this is not at all a political statement, but the deep-seated ideological shifts that are taking place in America if a good, educated, apologetic would shift thinking, it would have already been done. Hmm. We'd need more than a good presentation and a good uh, PowerPoint and uh, thoughts to bring shift. We need, folks, a sovereign awakening hmm. to come to this nation. And I'm thankful for a pastoral staff uh, that uh, sees that and that adheres to that. You know, revival is not just uh, um, a theme. It's not just a week of services. It's not just uh, a thought process. Uh, revival, when it comes, uh, has a supernatural element to it uh, that uh, just preaching alone can't give, that study alone can't give, uh, and it's birth through what your pastor is calling you to in the next several weeks. It's birth through fasting and prayer. And uh, this is not what I'm going to preach this morning, but I'm just going to say this for a moment. We need a fresh burden for revival in the United States of America. As I travel this nation... I see prayer meetings that are slim. I see fasting that is slim. I see hunger that is slim. And we need as a people, if there is one thing that can give you a divine reset, it's fasting and prayer. So I just encourage you along with your pastor in that, area. I haven't always been saved. I was a drug addict and a drug dealer, addicted to everything that goes along with that lifestyle. And one night I was doing a drug called LSD. How many of you know that's not approved by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration? And I'd taken a bit too much of it this particular night. I'm actually from Alabama, from, from LA, lower Alabama. I grew up in Mobile. And uh, I had uh, taken uh, uh, too much LSD, and I was experiencing what I felt to be an overdose. And um, as, as I went home early that night, and I was curling up in a fetal position, my back was wrenched. I was very frightened. I was contemplating going to the emergency room. And uh, it was about midnight, and I began to flip through the channels. You know, have you ever channel surfed before? You're just boom, boom, boom. You're not stopping long. You're just flying through and I stopped on an unusual station that people that are tripping on LSD don't normally watch TBN how many of you know that's a wild combination LSD and TBN at the same time there was pink hair on the platform and that was before it was popular <laughs> and there was a lot of it and I thought you know I found the psychedelic channel and there was a man that was preaching that uh, he he was the former singer of the group Black Sabbath. He'd taken over for Ozzy Osbourne. His name was Jeff Finholt. And I wouldn't have stayed on the station long in any shape, form, or fashion, 
But as soon as I stopped, he points his finger into the camera and he said, there's some young people that are watching this program and you're hooked on drugs and you're in a deep, dark cave of drug addiction. How many of you know God knows where you're at when you're there? I mean, that was, that, that was exactly what I needed to hear to arrest me. It wasn't five seconds before or five seconds after. As soon as I stopped on that station, that was the next words out of his mouth. And he said, not only are you in a deep, dark cave of drug addiction, but Jesus Christ is in the cave with you, and he's going to bring you out, he's going to set you free, and you're going to preach the gospel around the United States of America. When he said that, the power of God hit me in that lazy boy chair, and I was instantaneously sobered off the drug. Now, if you've ever done LSD, you don't have to raise your hand or shout amen, but you know you do not instantaneously sober off of LSD. And uh, I remember sitting there, I began to weep. I felt the presence of God. I'd love to say that I got on my knees and Gabriel and Michael dropped out of heaven and gold dust fell on me. That's not what happened. When I got up from that moment, I continued to do drugs and deal drugs and run in the wrong direction stronger than I ever had before, but I'd had an encounter. Everybody say encounter. You know, if you have an encounter with God, it's not like getting mustard on your shirt with enough detergent. It comes out over time. It sticks. It stays. It lingers. It has lasting impact. And although everything on the outside looked counter and antithetical and it did not look like God was moving on the inside in any shape, form, or fashion, God was. And I began to do two things after that night that, that people that sell drugs normally don't do. One, I began to prophesy. You say, well, Joe, that messes with my theology a little bit. You weren't even saved. You're on drugs, and you say you were prophesying. Yeah, I'd never read the verse, the power of life and death is in the tongue. I'd never read Ezekiel to call things even though they uh, are not as though they are. I would be at a party, strung out on drugs, uh, and I would get up and get everyone's attention in the entire vicinity. And I would say, one day real soon, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ around the United States of America. My friends would tell me, literally, Joe, tonight at the party, do not tell everyone you're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ around the United States of America. People think you're Looney Tunes. People think you've done too many drugs, and it messes everybody's buzz up. Girls don't like it. Stop it. You affect my social life when you do it. But I had to let what was on the inside of me come out. When the devil thought he had me bound, shackled, and in prison, I was prophetically shaping the destiny of my life. I, I just want to tell somebody right now, you might be a parent, a grandparent, uh, and you have a son, daughter, grandson that's away from God. They're in gross bondage. But I want to tell you, you need to continue to speak life into that situation. If God touched me in the midst of depravity, isn't that the grace of God? I wasn't seeking God that night. I wasn't in pursuit of Him but he was in pursuit of me. God is not uh, thwarted by stepping into a messed up situation. He's in the business of stepping into crack houses. He's in the business of walking into bars. He's in the business of showing up where pimps and prostitutes are. That's what he does. And no matter what your family member or friend are involved in, that God will walk into their situation, don't give up. And so... So the second thing I began to do is I, I began to pray. Every night before I'd go to bed, I'd just say, God, forgive me, and pass out and go to bed. And, uh, and, and I'd say, God, get me in church. Real quick. I mean, I had a 10-second prayer life. God, help me get off drugs and get me in church. I was in Alabama, and I'd been, I don't know how long I prayed that, maybe about a year. I was in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I'd been drinking all day and I was highly intoxicated, and I had a bright idea. You ever met a drunk guy with a bright idea? 
Some of you are looking at me all dignified now, like you've already started to fast and it's prune juice. I mean, um, uh, you know, you probably were the drunk guy with the bright idea, so come on. So I I thought, I'm going to give the California wave to the car next to me. They didn't think it was funny. They chased me down. I thought uh, one bright idea was followed by another. I couldn't hardly walk. I get out of the car and I'm going to hit the guy in the head with my beer bottle. And uh, uh, little did I know, these gentlemen, they were either undercover police officers uh, or they were connected to the police because about that time, all the police from Gold Shores, Alabama, showed up out of nowhere. And they wrote a song about me not long after that. It goes something like this. Uh, I fought the law, and the law won. Every one of you that knew that song are going straight to hell for listening to secular music. It's on video. You'll be getting a call from the pastoral staff starting at 10 a.m. on Tuesday. They're going to review it on Monday. And uh, that was a joke. (laughs) And, And so I fought the law. The law won. I went straight to jail, and I was in and out of jail. And the last time the judge put me in, he put me in for a year, and and he, he let me out much earlier, and he starts going over my probation. He said, you have to go to AA and NA every day. How many have ever been to AA before, NA? Throw your hand up in the air. This, come on, put it up. Come on. You're no longer anonymous, these people over here. And so uh, AA, NA every day. And then he said, and you have to go to church on Sunday and get the bulletin signed by a pastor. How many of you know God answers prayer in mysterious ways? As a drug addict, drug dealer, God sent a judge into my life uh, that court ordered me to go to church, uh, and if I didn't get the bulletin signed each week, I'd go to jail for a year. How many of you know I had fresh motivation to go to church? I went every Sunday night. We had Sunday night services. I mean, I, I was more faithful to Sunday night than the chairman of the deacon board. I mean, I didn't miss a Sunday night. And about six months, and that's a wild conversation you got to have with a pastor. You know, pastor, after the first service, you know, can I talk to you for a minute? I've been a drug addict, drug dealer, and the judge doesn't uh, think that uh, jail is working too well in my situation. And he sentenced me to church, and I picked yours. And so I, I need you to sign my bulletin each week. And I'd bring them like the 7th, the 14th, the 21st, the 28th, the 5th, the 12th. The 9th. I mean, I'd bring a stack of bulletins I didn't miss. And so um, about, about six months into my church sentence, I walked in. I was about five minutes late that night, like most Christians in America, uh, about five minutes late. And worship had started. And there was a team that was visiting my church from a town about 60 miles east of Mobile, Pensacola, from a church called Brownsville that experienced a historic revival that lasted about five years. Hundreds of thousands came through, millions, excuse me, millions came through, hundreds of thousands were saved. And when I walked into the building that particular night, I didn't know Christianese. I didn't know how to articulate. I, I was raised in a, in a Methodist church that was, uh, you know, forgive me, it was dead. Uh, you know, you didn't really feel the presence of God or anything. And, and so um, I, I stepped into the presence of God, and I didn't have a, an adjective to depict and describe what I was feeling. Would be to God that the Lord would establish this house, that if a drug addict walked in, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist, an agnostic, a Satanist, if they walk into the building that they would say, there's something in the midst of where I'm at now that I've never sensed before, that I've never felt before. And, and I, remember, I remember the gentleman got up to preach, and I, I'd heard people give sermons and lectures and talks and uh, educate on the Bible, but I'd never heard anybody with a fresh anointing and a baptism of fire on their life. Look, I'm not against funny. 
I'm not against good articulation. I'm an evangelist. I believe we need to articulate well. I'm not against charisma, but I didn't need charisma. I didn't need to understand the Greek. I didn't need a, a fresh joke every week. I needed somebody with an anointing to break the yoke on their life because I was addicted and I was bound and I needed to get set free. And when this man began to preach, his name was Bob Gladstone, I was captivated, not by his voice, not by his charisma. I didn't know how to say it, but he had an anointing on his life. He gave the call to receive Christ. I jumped up off the chair. I ran to the altar as fast as I could. I slid down on my knees, and I began to repent of my sins. I repented for kicking the dog when I was seven. I mean, everything that I could think of, I asked God to forgive me of, to wash me of. And for the first time in my life, on April the 27th, 1997, I stood up washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, clean, transformed, and made new. And, and I remember standing there, and I was the first person that he prayed for. He walked over to me. He said, what do you need from God? And I, I gave it my best uh, spiritual shot. I said, I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he said, okay. The next thing I know, he touches me lightly on the head. And the next thing I know, I go flying back under the power of God, and I land on my back. And as I was laying there, and that never had happened to me before that didn't happen in my church I was not accustomed to this and I'm laying on my back and I looked up to God and I said in my mind I said Lord that was like I just smoked a really good joint and you know what God wasn't tripping out in articulation to theology because I had been bound by the devil and I didn't have an articulation to describe the manifestation that was coming into my world from another world. Jesus was not religious on the throne. He was up off of it, jumping and dancing and leaping because a sinner that was bound by hell, death, and the grave had just gotten saved. Would be to God that drug addicts would come into this place and sense something they'd never sensed before and not have a vocabulary to describe it that's what God wants to do in Jesus name and and so I remember I got up off of the floor and I walked over and we had these old altars that ran across the front of the church and I walked over and I sat down on it like somebody getting on a horse in Fort Worth and I looked up to God and I said Lord if my friends that are hooked on drugs could feel this power that's running through my body right now they'd get born again I said, Jesus, my life for the gospel. I walked in that night bound by hell, death, and the grave. I walked out set free, baptized in fire, called to be an evangelist. I went to work the week before going to hell. I went to work the next week telling everybody they were going to hell. How many of you know that was not the most effective form of evangelism? And so uh, I... I I would go to the Brownsville, anybody, did you have a chance to go to, listen to CD, DVD, YouTube, Brownsville, uh, several of you, and so I'd go every weekend, um, and I'd hear evangelist Steve Hill preach, and my first vocabulary word as a Christian was hell. You know, evangelist Steve Hill could tell you you're going to hell 7,404 ways in one night, so that was my first vocabulary word, and, and Dr. Michael Brown would lay hands on you at the altar and yell fire real loud so that's how I thought you had to pray for people so I so I had this burden to do evangelism and everybody say everybody say dangerous I didn't know what I was doing I didn't have a clue but I knew if you didn't know God you'd go to hell and uh, that uh, that people needed to have an encounter with God and so I'd, I'd go to the mall by myself and uh, I'd walk up to people and kind of block them. You know, they're just walking through the mall, you know, going to get their wife a blouse for Mother's Day, and boom, I'd step right in front of them like a linebacker, kind of break down a little bit. I had my track in my hand, a guy that was falling into hell like this. And so that was my visual aid. I'd stick that track right in their face. I don't know where I found them. And, and then I would say, hello, my name's Joe Oden. If you died right now, would you go to heaven or hell? I'd like to know. 
you know, a good, subtle approach. And, and so I remember this guy looked at me. He said, well, I'm a Baptist. And so I began to look for one of them 7,404 ways you could go to hell for, and I spotted nicotine products in his pocket. So I pulled my bony finger out. He had a red man sticking up out of his pocket. I said, red man chewing tobacco, huh? You're going to go to hell. You like to chew? There's a worm in hell that's never going to die. He likes to chew too. And he's going to chew on you. All day, every day. You like to smoke? Devil sticks. You're going to want a smoke break. You're going to want a break from it. But in hell, you're going to smoke with the devil. All day, every day. Smoke, smoke, smoke. Can I pray for you? He said yes. He didn't know my prayer strategy. When he said yes, the next thing he knows is my hand is slamming on his head, yelling fire real loud. Trip that dude out, man. I want to submit to you, he did not come to me to church that next particular week. (laughs) I don't know what he thought. Jesus was looking over the balcony of heaven going, check this dude out. Gabriel Michael's like, we've got to stop him. Jesus said, no, that's funny. I've been trying to get Mike to quit chewing tobacco for years, man, and Joe just straight shot him off right there, man. Maybe a little bit more grace and more of a tactic, man, but let's let's watch that. That was funny. So so I began to read the Bible. You know, I didn't really understand it, and so I got to where uh, Aaron had received an anointing, and they poured oil on him. In Psalm 133, where they were anointing the priest, and he had oil from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And I thought, I'm going to add this to my repertoire here. You know, this is biblical. I got fire, I got hell, now I got oil. So, honest to God, there's no exaggeration here. I went to uh, Walmart, and we got, no, 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 I went to Albertsons. I went to Albertson's and got a big bottle of oil. You know, the size of, you prepped a turkey for for the fry on Thanksgiving. You know, a big bottle of oil, not a little bit, big bottle. And so we prayed over it, believed God. I uncorked it one night, and I stuck it up over my friend's head like this. Not, not you know, a little shot on the head. No, 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 no. We're going to do it like the Bible said, from top to bottom. So I stuck it up over his head. It began to go with dupe. He had oil dripping off of him everywhere. He stuck it up over my head. I got oil on me dripping everywhere. Where'd you go, Joe? We went to Walmart. 24 hours a day evangelism. We, we walked outside. We had a glow-in-the-dark anointing. We were shining in the pale moonlight. I mean, you can't make this up, man. This is not an exaggeration. So we walked into Walmart, yellow stuff dripping all off behind us. Looked like our Depends had broken open on aisle 7. This guy walks up to us. We're looking for a victim, you know. And, and, and this guy walks up to us. He said, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to be a smart aleck. But he said, what is that in your hair, man? He said, have you been running? I took about three Bishop T.D. Jake steps back. I said, no, 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 I hadn't been running as you suppose. This right here is the anointing oil of God, and I've come to preach you the gospel. He's like, you're not preaching me anything, dude. You're wacko and looney tunes, man. He got out of there. I didn't lay hands on him. (laughs) Woo, man, he doesn't understand the Bible. He's yelling hell at everybody, but that was hilarious. I've never seen a misinterpretation of the oil like that. And Gabriel, I hope you DVR'd that one. That'll be funny when he gets here, and we'll go over that that episode, and we'll laugh together about that one. And and, uh, they said, Jesus, we got to stop this guy. Because he's a zealot. He's going to keep reading the Bible. He's a redneck from Alabama, and he deer hunts. And, you know, he's going to get to where Peter cut the guy's ear off. He's got shotguns and bow and arrows and a bowie knife somewhere. 
He's going to read that and go and get people and take them to church by force. He's not going to see that you rebuke Peter and put an ear back on his head. He's just going to see that Peter broke the sword out and started swinging it. we got to stop him. Jesus said, we're not going to stop him. I, I really like him. They said, why do you like him, Jesus? He said, well, it's not because of his gifting. It's not because of his IQ, because I gave him that IQ. I know that one's not too high. And it's not because of his charisma. I like him because he's available. Every, everybody say available. Available. Um, I, I, I'm just going to talk to you a few more moments. When I got saved, how many of you remember where you were before you gave your life to Christ? How many of you got set free from something when you gave your life to Christ? How many of you remember the moment where you went from darkness to light, from bondage to freedom, from captivity to liberty, and all I wanted to do was see people get free. And no one had uh, really was discipling me, but when I got saved, I just innate by the Spirit understood that I have got to dedicate myself to prayer. So my pastor had a parsonage at the church. And so I just figured that meant he just wanted everybody to come see him, Pastor Tim. You know, he's got a parsonage. He just... He, he likes visitors, so I'd go and knock on his door, and, I, and I'd say, hey, man, the church is locked. I want to pray, and so he'd unlock the church for me over and over to where I got my own set of keys. <laughs> I'm getting the bulletin signed by the pastor to go to church, and now I got the keys to the church. <laughs> a few months earlier, I was, I was bound by the devil, and now I got my own keys to go into the church and turn on the sound system so I could pray, and this is what I would pray in a very pure manner, I would go to the front of the church and I would lay down on my face and this is what I'd ask God for. Lord, the same power that man had when I got knocked out, give it to me to help me knock people out. And what I was praying was this. And I'd pray that this year, this is what you would pray. I, I was praying, Lord, the people that are around me are bound. God, I was bound in addiction and immorality and I was shackled and I couldn't loose myself from this affliction. Lord, give me the anointing to set the captive free. Give me the anointing to break the yoke. You don't ever have to get hit by the power a day in your life uh, and fall to the ground to get set free. But that's what happened to me. That's my story. When I got up off of that ground uh, on April the 27th, I never bought dope again. I never got drunk again. I, I broke up with the girl that next weekend that I was immoral with. Uh, I got saved, and I wanted other people to experience what I experienced. So about three months in, I uh, was praying for a God our, at the altar of the church, and, and, and he gets hit by the power of God. And I said, Lord, if you can do that at a church altar where everybody's in agreement, you can do it in the darkest part of my city. So I said, Lord, that's where I'm, I'm going. And so I began to go downtown Mobile, Alabama, in front of... A, where, where there was 30 or 40 bars and uh, there were all kinds of people there and uh, I would go to the LGBTQ area, the college area. It was a Bourbon Street style um, uh, community down there and uh, I'd go down there and I had one question. I, I didn't know how to evangelize. You know, I wasn't yelling at people that they're going to go to hell any longer. But I'd walk up to people and I'd ask them this question, have you ever felt the power of God? And if they'd say no, I'd say, would you like to? And if they said yes, I would say, would you like to again? And, you know, just yesterday, I, I, was, uh, I was in Dolphin Island, and on my way back, I stopped at that place, and I stood on the corner where my ministry got started. I walked over to this rusted out fence. It's not there any longer. And I would go down there and I would lean up against this chain link rusted out 
fence in an abandoned parking lot, and I would see people that were hooked on drugs, immorality, cocaine, and all things in between, and I'd look at the people and I'd weep for them to get set free because they needed more. Listen to me right now. They needed more than articulation. They needed more than me just quoting John 3.16 to them. They needed more than a church invitation. They needed more than just a good apologetic. They needed the raw manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you, I said it on the front end. I'm going to say it again. America is in desperate need for an awakening. The problem with this nation, I'm going to say it, it's not the White House, it's not the Congress, it's not the Senate, it is the church that is not the church outside the four walls and the confines of the of of of, of, of our faith. I believe in America we got a lot of submarine Christians. Everybody say submarine we got submarine Christians. They come up out of the abyss on Sunday and go to church, and then they go back down into the deep all week. Nobody hears from them. They don't get prayed for by. Then they come back up out of the deep to go to church on Sunday. If we're ever going to see this nation shaken, and I believe it's not, it's not all on the pastor or the evangelist. If we're going to see an awakening in the United States of America, the church, the pew the average believer has got to get revived in this moment and in this hour the same holy spirit that resides in any preacher resides on the inside of you and the holy spirit needs a coming out party in jesus name i'd lean up against that fence and I'd weep and I'd cry and I'd bawl and I'd rock back and forth and I'd walk up to people and I'd say, have you ever felt the power of God? They'd say, no. I'd say, would you like to? And I'd lay hands on them. If they said yes, I'd say, would you like to again? And I'd lay hands on them and say, Lord, hit them with the power of God. And you know what happened? Let me tell you exactly what happened for the most part and the majority. Absolutely nothing. Nothing happened. I did it a month. I did it two months. I did it three months. I did it six months. I did it a year. And there, nobody was coming to church with me for the most part. Nobody's getting saved. Nobody is getting touched by the power in, in, in large part. Nobody's getting healed. But you know what I didn't do? This is, this is what I really want to, as I prayed about this morning, this is really what I want to say to you. I want you to hear this. I didn't build a theology around what God did not do. I did not build a principle around what God did not do. The Bible, James says this, You say you have faith, excellent. Show me your faith by your actions. Many people in the Pentecostal church have a doctrine and a fundamental belief where they believe in healing, they believe in the supernatural, they believe in deliverance, but ask them the last time they prayed for somebody to be delivered outside of an altar of a church. Ask them the last time that they went up to a drug addict and began to speak to them, believing that they'd get set free. Ask them about the last time they approached a Muslim or an LGBTQ activist in the grace of God and believe for the power of God to manifest. Ask them the last time they walked up to somebody that was blind, that was deaf, that was in a wheelchair to be healed. We say we believe, but our actions for the most part are null and void, and God just wants us to take action. Nothing times nothing equals nothing. We've got to give God something to land on, and if all we do is pray we can pray 24 hours a day seven days a week in America will go to hell until we come out of our prayer closet and we find and we go and we save and we seek that which is lost so I prayed for hundreds of people nothing happened and about six months into my salvation I was at the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry it was October I was saved about six months. I mean, I'd sit in Bible college and think, man, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> I don't understand what they're saying, what they're talking about, what they're teaching. 
I didn't know if I was going to make it through. They gave me a stack of theological books. I mean, in high school, I didn't graduate high school till 2015. I mean, I, I, I failed English over and over. I was a drug addict and a drug dealer, and I'd just gotten saved, and I didn't understand what this deep theology was. But this one guy came to our school, and he was very simple. He was, he was very down-to-earth, and he preached for four days on two scriptures. How do you preach four days on two scriptures? He did it. He preached... This passage, and I want you to hear it right now, Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And it doesn't say if you're an apostle, you get to do this. If you're an evangelist, you get to do this. If you're a pastor, you get to do this. Jesus said, as you go, you say, well, Joe, I own a landscape business. As you go throughout Trustville and Birmingham, giving bids for your landscaping company, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Well, well, well Joe, I work, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a dog catcher for the city of Birmingham, as you go catch dogs and put dogs in a place where they're not going to harm society, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. Well, Joe, I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. I want to tell you, the miracle-working power of God has got to come back through the church. The world has got to see the manifestation of God, and your pastor can't be everywhere all the time. God wants to raise you up in your your high school. God wants to raise you up in your workplace. You say, well, Joe, I prayed for a sick person and they didn't get healed. You, pray, you say, Joe, I prayed for three of them. I prayed for five of them. This is what people do. They build a theology around what God didn't do. So they don't pray for the sick anymore because they got persecuted a little bit. They got rejected a little bit. They didn't see it manifest so they think it must not be for them, and the devil won. You cannot find a scripture in the Bible that says that anyone under the sound of my voice, from 8 to 108, from 3 to 103, whatever your age, whatever your ethnicity, whatever your background, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have power to move in signs, wonders, and miracles, and the gates of hell won't prevail against you. It's time that Life Church have a coming out party in 2024. I submit to you that on this 21-day time of fasting and prayer, you'll do what 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, earnestly seek spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So, so, I'm, so, so I heard that verse, and I heard another one, Mark 16. Those that believe. Everybody say believe. Those that believe shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They'll cast out demons. So I believed this, and a friend of mine challenged me to go on a fast. And I'm like, I'm like some of you when pastor talked about fasting. My friend in Bible college said, Joe, we need to do a three-day fast. I said, no, I don't do that. He's like, come on, let's do it. I'm like, dude, I tried it once, and it's painful. And, you know, the Chinese buffet, at the end, I got to lunch, and I went to the Chinese buffet and just grabbed a whole orange chicken out the rack. <laughs> they don't let me come back there. He bugged me and drove me nuts. That three-day fast turned into 40. And on the fifth day, I'm at Conception and Conti Street like I had been for about two years. Not two weeks, not two days, not two months. This is not a joke. The prostitutes knew who I was. The pimps knew who I was. The crack dealers knew who I was. The crackheads knew who I was. Drag queens knew me by name. 
Because every week I was there. You know what I didn't see? I didn't see other church people there. Never, unless I brought them. There was one other guy. I never saw the church there. They were MIA. They weren't there. Jesus came to save the least, the last, and the lost. And about two years into this, I go up to a gentleman that's living a gay lifestyle. I don't bring that up. I just say, hey, man, you ever felt the power of God? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, yeah. I touched him on the head, and the next thing I know, he goes flying back under the power of God. He gets hit by the power. He gets up, gives his life to Christ, and leaves that area. I want you to look at me right now. I stepped into something that night. I want to prophesy to somebody right now, somebody that's listening to me right now, that's getting this right now. I want to prophesy to somebody right now, in 2024, you're going to step into something that you've never walked in before, you've never talked in before, you've never moved in before. In Jesus' name, all you got to do is agree with me right now. All you got to do is agree with the preacher right now and say, you know what, I am. I'm saved, I'm filled with the Spirit, and I'm not going to live a boring Christian life life any longer and that the only thing that I'm different from the people that work with me is I don't use profanity like them I'm telling you God doesn't want us using profanity but he wants us to be explicitly different from the culture that we're in after that night I mean I I walked down there when you asked me for pictures Pastor Tim I should have I should have sent you these because I, I started taking pictures yesterday and I was standing, I was standing in the areas. I, I just, it, it was where I got started. I stood on the area where, where one girl walked up. She was bound. She was on ecstasy. She just walked into the corner that we were on. I turned around. I said, have you ever felt the power of God on, on, on this corner right here? I took a selfie yesterday. I went down to witness to people and, and give out money to the poor and to lay hands on people. As I, as I drove up here, and I was standing on that corner, and there was a girl. She walked into our midst, tripping on ecstasy. We laid hands on her. The power of God hit her. She fell to the ground. She got up off of the ground, and she looked at her hands, and her boyfriend walked up, and she said, Baby, did you see what they did to me? It's running through my body right now. I feel it. I'm not drunk anymore. The effects of the drugs are gone. This thing is running through my body right now. That same corner. We're worshiping the Lord. And I told the team that night, I'm about to close. That means 45 minutes or less. About to close. And I'm standing on the corner. I told the team, I said, if Christ be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. So often we try to do the drawing. We try to do the convincing. I'm telling you the key to awakening in America is when prayer and evangelism get married, she's going to have a baby called awakening. If all you do is evangelize and don't pray, you've got a bomb with nothing to detonate. If all you do is pray and never evangelize, you have a powerful detonator. But if you pray and evangelize, you're like a mighty F-16 in the Holy Spirit. You can fire at will at the enemy. We're on the corner. I said, everybody, we're just going to pray. we got our hands lifted up. We're worshiping. We're seeking the Lord. And this man comes over to punch my friend in the face. And, I, you know, I'm okay with that. Put that in my newsletter. Hey, there's Mike. He got popped in the head. So he's about 35 feet from us. My back is to him. He's walking over. His fist is about drawn, and he picks his foot up from the black road pavement and puts it onto the concrete sidewalk. And when he did, he stepped into the presence. He stepped into the vicinity of people that who knew they were in Christ. And when he did, his fist dropped. He started crying. Nobody's witness to him. Nobody's read the Bible to him. Nobody said, you need to get set free from sin. He stepped into the presence. I- I'm telling you, 
You are a carrier of the presence of God. And we have to begin to understand that and walk in our authority. The Bible says this about you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Ephesians says the same power that raised Christ from the dead abides on the inside of you. The same power that seated him above every dominion, authority, principality, and power, it lives on the inside of you. It's time that we walk in the authority that we have and possess. I turned around. He's weeping. We laid hands on him. The power of God hit him, and God is my witness. He fell out right in the street. Boom. He gets up. We lead him to Christ. He's weeping. He's got a knife in his pocket. He pulls it out. He hands it to my friend. He said, I'm a Vietnam veteran. He said, when I got back from Vietnam, I went to church. Now imagine this, 1972, 73, 74, early 70s. You did a war tour in Vietnam. The PTSD. The guys that I've gotten to talk to me about that it's, it's horrible. There's no way to sugarcoat it. He comes to a church with PTSD, wanting deliverance. He came to a good place. And you know what the church told him when they found out he was a war vet? God doesn't love you. God won't forgive you. And you're not welcome here again. Imagine the vitriol and the hardening of this poor man. He said, I walked out of church that day, a spirit of murder, anger, and violence intensified in me, and that's all I've done my whole life. He handed that knife to us. He said, but tonight, Jesus Christ has set me free. He said, I don't want to do that anymore. He had a kingdom encounter with the manifest presence of God and God won in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share one more story with you and we're going to close. Because I want you to come back tonight at 6. Nobody said amen. I rebuke every one of you in Jesus' name. Come on now. I didn't even hear the worship leader say amen. I said I'm going to be back tonight at 6. Look. Your pastor doesn't have meetings to have a meeting. He doesn't have busyness to have busyness. He's led by God on what to do, and he's not in the camp to burn people out. So tonight, come back tonight. I want to say this. One more story. We're, we're in front of a bar, me and a friend of mine, and, and I believe I'm on the seventh, eighth, ninth day of a fast. I think, and he's arguing with this guy about Jesus. I've never argued anybody in the kingdom. He's drunk. I walked over to him. I said, you ever felt the power of God? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, yeah. I said, can I pray for you? He said, yeah. I said, Lord, I pray you touch him with the fire of God. I took my hand off of him. He said, I want to get saved. When I took my hand off of him, he said, I want to get saved. I led him to Christ. I laid hands on him again. I said, fire a second time. He doubled over under the power of God and began to manifest demons. He's throwing up on the sidewalk. This is open for business, guys. The bouncer is standing right next to him. The door is open. People are walking back and forth with their Budweiser. He's manifesting demons. Get set free. I laid hands on him a third time. I said fire a third time. He doubled over, and he went, He came back up. I said, what are you doing? He said, I have no idea what I'm doing. Literally, honest simplicity. I laid hands on him a fourth time. I said, fire a fourth time. He doubled over. I said, have you ever done that before? He said, never in my life. He got saved, delivered of demons, and baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues in less than five minutes. Why did God do that? Because I'm a good preacher, because I'm a good communicator, because I've gone to Bible school? No, because I'm available, and God wants you to be. God wants your household to be available. Look, I'm going to close with this. 
there's, there's two things that will hold you back. One is fear. Fear of what others would think. Fear of what others would say. Fear of what if God doesn't move. Fear of I don't know exactly how to articulate this. Fear of what is society going to say. You, you know, I've never, I've never been hit for sharing the gospel. I've never been slapped. I've never been punched. I've never had violence break out against me. What's the worst that could happen? Somebody defriend you from Facebook? Two things, fear, the second one, sin. Second one, sin. I'm not, I'm not asking you this morning, do you love your church? I'm not asking you, do you love Pastor Tim's preaching? I'm not asking you, do you love the presence of God as the worship team leads us in such a powerful way? I'm, I'm asking you this morning, do you know, do you know God? Are you living for Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you have your Bible with you? I'm not asking you, have you sown into the church and given financially? I'm asking you, do you know Jesus right now? I'm asking you this, is he Lord of your life? The, the first tenet that the apostles preached in the book of Acts, I call it the apostolic gospel, the charismatic gospel, the, the, the raw foundational points of the gospel is lordship when the apostles preached lordship the audience understood that when you preach about a king in that dispensation of time it's an entity that you submit your entire life to you submit your entire being to and you don't call the shots anymore the lord king does I'm asking you this morning, have you given yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? People want to talk about Jesus as Savior. That's what he did. Lordship is who he is. He's a king. And he died on a cross. You know why he died on a cross? Because I deserve hell. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God, sinned and fallen short. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. Therefore, Jesus Christ came as a perfect Lamb of God to this earth, uh, and He died on a cross uh, to be our substitution for the sin that we've committed. Jesus paid the price uh, for our sin by dying on the cross uh, and shedding His blood. He was our restitution but on the third day, God raised him from the dead. He's not in the tomb any longer. Jesus was raised from the dead. It's a supernatural message with a supernatural ending and a supernatural manifestation. I don't care what biology says. I don't care what agnosticism says. Jesus was dead, and God raised him on the third day and here's point number four you've got to repent of your sins you've got to turn from your sins you've got to begin to change the way that you think and that's not just by adhering that is a supernatural process that takes place the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 5 17 if any man be in Christ he's a new creation old things are passed away and behold all things become new I want to ask you right now have you experienced that have you experienced a moment where old things passed away and everything became new that's salvation if you get saved, you don't have to shake, you don't have to fall down, you don't have to stand there and weep for 35 minutes. But if you got saved, when you leave the building, your wife is going to be able to tell a recognized difference. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you don't fall short from time to time. But your wife is going to be able to tell a distinct change in your life. Your boss is going to be able to tell. Your teacher is going to know it. Your mom's going to know it. Your dad's going to know it. When I first got saved and I and I would go to Brownsville and I wouldn't get home till two or three o'clock in the morning how many of you know my parents didn't believe me that I was at a church service from drug dealing to two o'clock church prayer 
They didn't believe it. But one week passed, two weeks passed, three. They said, well, man, we stayed up until he got home, and he didn't walk in falling all over the place. Uh, he didn't have alcohol on his breath. Uh, I didn't smell cigarettes all over him. He wasn't, didn't come in stoned or tripping on LSD. Something happened to him. He got saved. He's not the same person person that he used to be his vocabulary has changed his friends have changed when you get saved there is a distinct difference in your life have you experienced that here's what we're going to do in just a moment we're going to pray but I want to ask you if you're not sure if you died today you'd go to heaven if you got sin in your life if you're away from God if you're doing things that Jesus would never do He wants to set you free. He wants to save you. And He wants to change you this morning in 2024. And I want to say this. Maybe there was a day that you gave your life to Christ, but you've fallen away. You're not living for Jesus any longer. There are things in your life that once brought conviction to you, but now you do in commonality. I'm asking you right now, Are you living for Jesus? Or have you stepped away? Have you never known the Lord? Or have you made an intellectual confession? You believe, yes, He's Lord. He died. He rose from the dead. But you never repented and turned from your sins. You said a prayer, but you never gave your life to Christ. This is what I want us to do right now. I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes all over this room. If you're not sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. If you've got sin in your life, if you're away from God, if you're doing things that Jesus would never do, when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. With no hesitation, I want you to forget about who's beside you, forget about who's around you, and if you've never given your life to Christ, are you falling away? Are you doing things that Jesus would never do? When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand. If you need to get right with God, if you need to give your life to Christ, without hesitation, immediately, if you say, yeah, Joe, I need to do that. Yes, Joe, I need to give my life to Christ. Yeah, Joe, my life is not lining up with what a Christian is and should be, and I've fallen away. I've never known God. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand without hesitation. One, two, three. Three, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else, just right up and right back down. If you need to get right with God, if you need to give your life to Christ, right up and right back down. Here's, here's what I want to do this morning. If you raised your hand, I just want you to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Yeah, just stand up. It's public. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just stay standing, remain standing. Everyone can open their eyes and unbow their head, but I want you guys to remain standing. It's a public profession. I'm not going to call you to the altar this morning, but you stood publicly. You've made a public profession. If there's anybody else here today, and you need to get right with God, I just, I stand right now. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to make a fresh commitment. I just want you to stand right now. Now. Anyone else? Anyone else in this room? God bless you. Anyone else? You need to get right with God. I want to tell you this. When you stand before God, your friend's not going to be there with you. Your wife's not even going to be there. Your wife will be in heaven but she's not going to be standing with you when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's going to be you and Jesus. Your boyfriend's not going to be there. The preacher's not going to be there. It's going to be you and Jesus. Don't make a decision around who's sitting next to you or who's in your vicinity because they're not going to be there. You're going to have to stand before God by yourself. Anyone else, just stand to your feet right now. You need to get right with God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not trying to draw this out. 
want to I want all of us to pray together right now. Could we do that? Say this, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have sinned. I've hurt you and I've hurt others. Jesus, I ask you today to forgive me, to wash me, to cleanse me, to change me, to come into my life afresh and anew. I confess you are Lord. I give myself to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here's what I want to ask you. Maybe, maybe you're sitting there today and you love God, you love His presence, but you can't remember the last time you witnessed to someone. You can't remember the last time you prayed for somebody that was sick. You can't remember making a real stand at school for righteousness and purity and holiness. You know, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama. I went to Mary Montgomery High School. And there were Pentecostal churches all over Sims, Alabama. You know how many Pentecostal kids approached me in school? None. I was a drug addict. I was immoral. I, I got suspended from school for selling drugs. Everyone knew that I was a drug addict and a drug dealer. But not one kid ever came up to me and said, Jesus can set you free. Can I pray for you? We've got to be a witness in our school. So I want to ask you, coming into 2024, if you would say, Joe, I want in a fresh way to walk in the presence and in the power of God and to make a difference. I just want you to stand right now. And if that's you, I just want you to come up here right now. You can play gently. Yeah, please. Thank you so much. Just... Just gently, you don't have to lift your hands high, but I just want you to gently lift your hands. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask you to, to come right now. God, I ask for your presence. I ask for your power. I ask for your anointing. God wants to use you, man. I don't know what you do or what your hand is involved in, but there is an innate natural ability to lead, and there's an integrity, there's a reputation. And Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing. I feel, I feel like the Lord would say, it's so simple. He just wants you to begin to step out and to speak. He just he wants you to begin to lay hands on sick people. And, and it's, not, it's not some euphoric approach. It's not some scientific uh, process. It's, hey, I, I see you are on oxygen. You're sitting in Cracker Barrel. You look over. 
There's a lady on oxygen. And you just walk over and say, you know what, I believe that God heals. May I pray for you. And I feel like as you begin to make that a lifestyle, say lifestyle. As you make that a lifestyle, not, not as you do it once every other year, but, but as you make that a lifestyle. And I'm not talking about a bondage. You're at a gas station and you got to catch a flight and you see somebody in a wheelchair and you miss your flight. But I'm saying an intentional lifestyle. God wants to use you, man. He wants to use you. Just lift your hands. Presence of God, come on this God now. We want to thank you for listening to the message today. We would love for you to stop by and see us. Our services start at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights with various small groups throughout the week. Here at Life Church, we hope you have a great week.